chapter fourteen of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain the summons of the signet they walked side by side for some little time without speaking through winding paths of alternate light and shade sheltered by the lattice-work of crossed and twisted green boughs where only the amorous chant of charming birds now and then broke the silence with fitful and tender sweetness all the air about them was fragrant and delicate tiny rainbow winged midges whirled round and danced in the warm sunset glow like flecks of gold in amber wine while here and there the distant glimmer of tossing fountains or the soft emerald sheen of a prattling brook that wound in and out the grounds amongst banks of moss and drooping fern gave a pleasant touch of coolness and refreshment to the brilliant verdure of the luxuriant landscape speaking of creeds saluma said theos at last looking down with a curious sense of compassion and protection at his companion's slight graceful form what religion is it that dominates this city and people to-day through want of knowledge it seems i committed a nearly unpardonable offence by gazing at the beauty of the virgin priestess when i should have knelt face hidden to her benediction thou must tell me something of the common laws of worship that i err not thus blindly again saluma smiled the common laws of worship are the common laws of custom he replied no more no less and in this we are much like other nations we believe in no actual creed who does we accept a certain given definition of a superstitious divinity together with the suitable maxims and code of morals accompanying that definition we call this religion and we wear it as we wear our clothing for the sake of necessity and decency though truly we are not half so concerned about it as about the far more interesting details of taste and attire still we have grown used to our doctrine and some of us will fight with each other for the difference of a word respecting it and as it contains within itself many seeds of discord and contradiction such dissensions are frequent especially among the priests who were they but true to their professed vocation should be able to find ways of smoothing over all apparent inconsistencies and maintaining peace and order of course we in union with all civilized communities worship the sun even as thou must do in this one leading principle at least our faith is universal theos bent his head in assent he was scarcely conscious of the action but at that moment he felt with saluma that there was no other form of divinity acknowledged in the world than the refulgent orb that gladdens and illumines earth and visibly controls the seasons and yet went on saluma thoughtfully the well-instructed know through our scientists and astronomers many of whom are now languishing in prison for the boldness of their researches and discoveries that the sun is no divinity at all but simply a huge planet a dense body surrounded by a luminous flame-darting atmosphere neither self-acting nor omnipotent but only one of many similar orbs moving in strict obedience to fixed mathematical laws nevertheless this knowledge is wisely kept back as much as possible from the multitude for were science to unveil her marvels too openly to semi-educated and vulgarly constituted minds the result would be first atheism next republicanism and finally anarchy and ruin if these evils which like birds of prey continually hover about all great kingdoms are to be averted we must for the welfare of the country and people hold fast to some stated form and outward observance of religious belief he paused theos gave him a quick searching glance even if such a belief should have no shadow of a true foundation he inquired 
can it be well for men to cling superstitiously to a false doctrine saluma appeared to consider this question in his own mind for some minutes before replying my friend it is difficult to decide what is false and what is true he said at last with a little shrug of his shoulders but i think that even a false religion is better for the masses than none at all men are closely allied to brutes if the moral sense ceases to restrain them they at once leap the boundary line and give as much rein to their desires and appetites as the hyenas and tigers and in some natures the moral sense is only kept alive by fear fear of offending some despotic invisible force that pervades the universe and whose chief and most terrible attribute is not so much creative as destructive power to propitiate and pacify an unseen supreme destroyer is the aim of all religions and it is for this reason we add to our worship of the sun that of the white serpent nagaya the mediator nagaya is the favourite object of the people's adoration they may forget to pay their vows to the sun but never to nagaya who is looked upon as the emblem of eternal wisdom the only pleader whose persuasions avail to soften the tyrannic humour of the invincible devourer of all things we know how men hate wisdom and cannot endure to be instructed and yet they prostrate themselves in abject crowds before wisdom's symbol every day in the sacred temple yonder though i much doubt whether such constant devotional attendance is not more for the sake of lycia than the deified worm he laughed with a little undercurrent of scorn in his laughter and theo saw as it were the lightning of an angry or disdainful thought flashing through the sombre splendour of his eyes and lycia is began theo suggestively the high priestess of nagaya responded saluma slowly charmer of the god as well as of the hearts of men the hot passion of love is to her a toy clasped and unclasped so in the pink hollow of her hand and as he spoke he closed his fingers softly on the air and unclosed them again with an expressive gesture and so long as she retains the magic of her beauty so long will nagaya worship hold al kiris in check otherwise who knows there have been many disturbances of late the teachings of the philosophers have aroused a certain discontent and there are those who are weary of perpetual sacrifices and the shedding of innocent blood moreover this mad rule of whom nephrata spoke lately thunders angry denunciations of lycia and nagaya in the open streets with so much fervid eloquence that they who pass by he cannot choose but hear he hath a strange craze a doctrine of the future which he most furiously proclaims in the language prophets use he holds that far away in the centre of a circle of pure light the true god exists a vast all-glorious being who with exceeding marvellous love controls and guides creation towards some majestic end even as a musician does melodize his thought from small sweet notes to perfect chord-woven harmonies furthermore that thousands of years hence this god will embody a portion of his own existence in human form and will send hither a wondrous creature half god half man to live our life die our death and teach us by precept and example the surest way to eternal happiness tis a theory both strange and wild hast ever heard of it before he put the question indifferently but theos was mute that horrible sense of a straining desire to speak when speech was forbidden again oppressed him he felt as though he were being strangled with his own unfalling tears what a crushing weight of unutterable thoughts burdened his brain he gazed up at the serenely glowing sky in aching dumb despair till slowly very slowly words came at last like dull throbs of pain beating between his lips i think i fancy i've heard a rumour of such doctrine but i know as little of it as as thou saluma i can tell thee no more than 
thou hast said he paused and gaining more firmness of tone went on it seems to me a not altogether impossible conception of divine benevolence for if god lives at all he must be capable of manifesting himself in many ways both small and great common and miraculous though of a truth there are no miracles beyond what appear as such to our limited sight and restricted intelligence but tell me and here his voice had a ring of suppressed anxiety within it tell me saluma thine own thought concerning it ay i think naught of it replied saluma with airy contempt such a creed may find followers in time to come but now of what avail to warn us of things that do not concern our present modes of life moreover in the face of all religion my own opinion should not alter i have studied science sufficiently well to know that there is no god and i am too honest to worship an unproved and merely superstitious identity a shudder as of extreme cold ran through theos's veins and as if impelled on by some invisible monitor he said almost mournfully art thou sure saluma thou dost not instinctively feel that there is a higher power hidden behind the veil of visible nature and that in the far beyond there may be an eternity of joy where thou shalt find all thy grandest aspirations at last fulfilled saluma laughed a clear vibrating laugh as mellow as the note of a thrush in springtime thou solemn soul he exclaimed mirthfully my aspirations are fulfilled i aspire to no more than fame and that i hold that i shall keep so long as this world is lighted by the sun and what use is fame to thee in death demanded theos with sudden and emphatic earnestness saluma stood still over his beautiful face came a shadow of intense melancholy he raised his brilliant eyes full of wistful pathos and pleading i pray thee do not make me sad my friend he murmured tremulously these thoughts are like muttering thunder in my heaven death and a quick sigh escaped him twill be the breaking of my harp and heart the last note of my failing voice and ever silenced song a moisture as of tears glistened on the silky fringe of his eyelids his lips quivered he had the look of a narcissus regretfully bewailing his own perishable loveliness on a swift impulse of affection theos threw one arm round his neck in the fashion of a confiding schoolboy with his favourite companion nay thou shalt never die saluma he said with a sort of passionate eagerness thy bright soul shall live for ever in a sunshine sweeter than that of earth's fairest midsummer noon thy song can never be silenced while heaven pulsates with the unwritten music of the spheres and even were the crown of immortality denied to lesser men it is it must be the heritage of the poet for to him all crowns belong all kingdoms are thrown open all barriers broken down even those that divide us from the unseen and god himself has surely a smile to spare for his singers who have made the sad world joyful if only for an hour saluma looked up with a pleased yet wondering glance thou hast a silvery and persuasive tongue he said gently and thou speakest of god as if thou knewest one akin to him would i could believe all thou sayest but alas i cannot we have progressed too far in knowledge my friend for faith yet he hesitated a moment then with a touch of caressing entreaty in his tone went on thinkest thou in very truth that i shall live again for i confess to thee it seems beyond all things strange and terrible to feel that this genius of mine this spirit of melody which inhabits my frame should perish utterly without further scope for its abilities there have been moments when my soul ravished by inspiration has as it were seized earth like a full goblet of wine and quaffed its beauties its pleasures its love its glories all in one burning draught of song and i have stood in thought on the shadowy peaks of time waiting for other worlds to string like beads on my thread of poesy 
when wondrous creatures habited in light and wreathed with stars have floated round and round me in rosy circles of fire and once methought twas long ago now i heard a voice distinct and sweet that called me upward onward and away i know not where save that a hidden love awaited me he broke off with a rapt almost angelic expression in his eyes then sighing a little he resumed all dreams of course vague phantoms creations of my own imaginative brain yet fair enough to fill my heart with speechless longings for ethereal raptures unseen unknown thou hast me thinks a certain faith in the unsolved mysteries but i have none for sweet as the promise of a future life may seem there is no proof that it shall ever be if one died and rose again from the dead then might we all believe and hope but otherwise o miserable theos what would he not have given to utter aloud that burning knowledge that ate into his mind like slow devouring fire again mute again oppressed by that strange swelling at the heart that threatened to break forth in stormy sobs of penitence and prayer instinctively he drew saluma closer to his side his breath came thick and fast he struggled with all his might to speak the words one has died and risen from the dead but not a syllable could he form of the desired sentence thou shalt live again saluma was all he could say in low half-smothered accents thou hast within thee a flame that cannot perish again saluma's eyes dwelt upon him with a curious appealing tenderness thy words savour of sweet consolation he said half gaily half sadly may they be fulfilled and if indeed there is a brighter world than this beyond the skies i fancy thou and i will know each other there as here and be somewhat close companions see and he pointed to a small green hillock that rose up like a shining emerald from the darker foliage of the surrounding trees yonder is my point of vantage whence we shall behold the sun go down like a warrior sinking on the red field of battle the chimes are ringing even now for his departure listen they stood still for a space while the measured swinging cadence of bells came pealing through the stillness bells of every tone that smote the air with soft or loud resonance as the faint wind wafted the sounds toward them and then they began to climb the little hill saluma walking somewhat in advance with a tread as light and elastic as that of a young fawn the youths following watched his movements with a strange affection every turn of his head every gesture of his hands seemed fraught with meanings as yet inexplicable the grass beneath their feet was soft as velvet and dotted with a myriad of wild flowers the ascent was gradual and easy and in a few minutes they had reached the summit where saluma throwing himself indolently on the smooth turf pulled lithios gently down by his side there they rested in silence gazing at the magnificent panorama laid out before them a panorama as lovely as a delicately pictured scene of fairyland above the sky was of a dense yet misty rose colour the sun low on the western horizon appeared to rest in a vast deep purple hollow rifted here and there with broad gashes of gold long shafts of light streamed upwards in order like the waving pennons of an angel army marching and beyond far away from this blaze of splendid colour the wide ethereal expanse paled into tender blue whereon light clouds of pink and white drifted like the fluttering blossoms that fall from apple trees in spring below and seen through a haze of rose and amber lay the city of alciris its white domes towers and pinnacle palaces rising out of the mist like a glorious mirage afloat on the borders of a burning desert alciris the magnificent it deserves its name theos thought as shading his eyes from the red glare he took a wondering and gradually comprehensive view of the enormous extent of the place he soon perceived that it was defended by six strongly fortified walls each place within the other as at long equal distances apart so that it might have been justly described as six cities all merged together in one and from where he sat he could plainly discern the great square 
where he had rested in the morning by reason of the white granite obelisk that lifted itself sheer up against the sky undwarfed by any of the surrounding buildings this gigantic monument was the most prominent object in sight with the exception of the sacred temple which saluma presently pointed out a round fortress-like piece of architecture ornamented with twelve gilded towers from which bells were now clashing and jangling in a storm of melodious persistency the hum of the city's traffic and pleasure surged on the air like the noise made by swarming bees while every now and then the sweet shrill tones of some more than usually clear girl's voice crying out the sale of fruit or flowers soared up songwise through the luminous and semi-transparent vapour that half veiled the clustering house-tops tapering spires and cupolas in a delicate nebulous film completely fascinated by the wizard-like beauty of the scene theos felt as though he could never look upon it long enough to master all its charms but his eyes ached with the radiance in which everything seemed drenched as with flame and turning his gaze once more toward the sun he saw that it had nearly disappeared only a blood-red rim peered spectrally above the gold and green horizon and immediately overhead a silver rift in the sky had widened slowly in the centre and narrowed at its end thus taking the shape of a great outstretched sword that pointed directly downward at the busy murmuring glittering city beneath it was a strange effect and made on the mind of theos a strange impression he was about to call saluma's attention to it when an uncomfortable consciousness that they were no longer alone came over him instinctively he turned round uttered a hasty exclamation and springing erect found himself face to face with a huge black a man of some six feet in height and muscular in proportion who clad in a vest and tunic of the most vivid scarlet blue leered confidentially upon him as their eyes met saluma rising also but with less precipitation surveyed the intruder languidly and with a certain haughtiness what now gazra always art thou like a worm in the grass crawling on thine errand with less noise than the wind makes in summer i would thy mistress kept a fairer messenger the black smile if so hideous a contortion of his repulsive countenance might be called a smile and slowly raising his jetty arms hung all over with strings of coral and amber made a curious gesture half of salutation half of command as he did this the clear olive cheek of saluma flushed darkly red his chest heaved and linking his arm through that of theos he bent his head slightly and stood like one in an enforced attitude of attention then gazra spoke his harsh strong voice seeming to come from some devil in the ground rather than from a human throat the virgin priestess of the sun and the divine nagaya hath need of thee to-night saluma he said with a sort of suppressed derision underlying his words and taking from his breast a ring that glittered like a star he held it out in the palm of one hand and also he added of thy friend the stranger to whom she desires to accord a welcome behold her signet theos impelled by curiosity would have taken the ring up to examine it had not saluma restrained him by a warning pressure of his arm he was only just able to see that it was in the shape of a coiled-up serpent with ruby eyes and a darting tongue tipped with small diamonds what chiefly concerned him however was the peculiar change in saluma's demeanour something in the aspect or speech of gazra had surely exercised a remarkable influence upon him his frame trembled through and through with scarcely controlled excitement his eyes shot forth an almost evil fire and a cold calm somewhat cruel smile played on the perfect outline of his delicate mouth taking the signet from gazra's palm he kissed it with a kind of angry tenderness then replied tell thy mistress we shall obey her behest doubtless she knows as she knows all things that to-night i am summoned by express command to the palace of our sovereign lord the king i am bound thither first as is my duty but afterwards he broke off as if he found it impossible to say more 
and waved his hand in a light sign of dismissal but goswell did not at once depart he again smiled that lowering smile of his which resembled nothing so much as a hung criminal's death grin and returned the jewelled signet to his breast afterwards yes afterwards he said in emphatic yet mock solemn tones even so advancing a little he laid his heavy muscular hand on theos's chest and appeared mentally to measure his height and breadth strong nerves iron sinews goodly flesh and blood twill serve and his great protruding eyes gleamed maliciously as he spoke then bowing profoundly he added addressing both saluma and theos noble sirs to-night out of all men in alciris shall you be the most envied farewell and once more making that curious salutation which had in it so much imperiousness and so little obeisance he walked backward a few paces in the full lustre of the set sun's afterglow which intensified the vivid red of his costume and lit up all the ornaments of clear-cut amber that glittered against his swarthy skin then turning he descended the hillock so swiftly that he seemed to have melted out of sight as utterly as a dark mist dissolving in air by my word a most sooty and repellent bearer of a lady's greeting laughed theos lightly as he sauntered arm in arm with his host on the downward path leading to the garden and palace and i have yet to learn the true meaning of his message tis plain enough replied saluma somewhat sulkily with the deep flush still coming and going on his face it means that we are summoned thou as well as i to one of lycia's midnight banquets an honour that falls to few a mandate none dare disobey she must have spied thee out this morning the only unkneeling soul in all the abject multitude hence perhaps her present desire for thy company there was a touch of vexation in his voice but theos heeded it not his heart gave a great bound against his ribs as though pricked by a fire-tipped arrow something swift and ardent stirred in his blood like the flowing of quicksilver the picture of the dusky-eyed witchingly beautiful woman he had seen that morning in her gold-adorned ship seemed to float between him and the light her face shone out like a growing glory-flower in the tangled wilderness of his thoughts and his lips trembled a little as he replied she must be gracious and forgiving then even as she is fair for in my neglect of reverence due i merited her scorn not her courtesy but tell me saluma how could she know i was a guest of thine saluma glanced at him half pityingly half disdainfully how could she know easily inasmuch as she knows all things twould have been strange indeed had she not known and he caught at a down drooping rose and crushed its fragrant head in his hand with a sort of wanton petulance the king himself is less acquainted with his people's doings than the wearer of the all-reflecting eye thou hast not yet seen that weird mirror and potent dazzler of human sight no but thou wilt see it ere long the glittering fiend guarding of the whitest breast that ever shut in passion his voice shook and he paused then with some effort continued yes lycia has her secret commissioners everywhere throughout the length and breadth of the city who report to her each circumstance that happens no matter how trifling and doubtless we were followed home tracked step by step as we walked together by one of her stealthy-footed servitors in this there would be naught unusual then there is no freedom in alcaris said theos wonderingly if the whole city thus lies under the circumspection of a woman saluma laughed rather harshly freedom by the gods tis a delusive word embodying a vain idea where is there any freedom in life all of us are bound in chains and restricted in one way or the other the man who deems himself politically free is a slave to the multitude and his own ambition while he who shakes himself loose from the trammels of custom and creed becomes the tortured bondsman of desire tied fast with bruising cords to the rack of his own unbridled sense and appetite there is no such thing as freedom my friend unless happily it may be found in death come let us into supper the hour grows late and my heart aches with an unsought heaviness 
i must cheer me with a cup of wine or my songs to-night will sadden rather than rouse the king come and thou shalt speak to me again of the life that is to be lived hereafter and he smiled with certain pathos in his smile for there are times believe me when in spite of all my fame and the sweetness of existence i weary of earth's days and nights and find them far too brief and mean to satisfy my longings not the world but worlds should be the poet's heritage dios looked at him with a feeling of unutterable yearning of affection and regret but said nothing and together they ascended the steps of the stately marble terrace and paced slowly across it keeping as near to each other as shadow to substance and thus re-entered the palace where the sound of a distant harp alone penetrated the perfumed stillness it must be nifrata who was playing thought theos and what strange and plaintive chords she swept from the vibrating strings they seemed laden with the tears of broken-hearted women dead and buried ages upon ages ago End of chapter fourteen